When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Market Academy LLC, your prescription for what we call OPA. What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week we bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. Good morning and welcome back to Charged Up Studio. I'm Dana Olivo, your host. And today we bring you a very exciting and relevant topic that I'm sure will have you standing on your feet and taking notice. We've all know, been touched at one point or another by cyber criminals over the years. Ever since we opened our lives to digital media and the internet, we've invited others to test our boundaries and entrench themselves into our lives. Today's guest is a very dear friend and an expert when it comes to protecting ourselves from costly cyber criminals and attacks designed to hold us hostage. Without further ado, let's give a heartfelt welcome to Mr. Ken Johnson with USIT Systems. Hi, Ken. And a very good morning to you. It's It's been a long night for you. You just came back from Miami, uh, a very, uh, I guess, informative and beneficial show down there, right? It. It always is. Uh, it's our first show of the year where we are out seeking new vendors and and new tools in order to combat cyber criminals and in order to provide a better overall cyber experience for all of our customer base. Very good. Well, before we get started, can you give us just a little bit of background on how you got involved in this? and um, what excites you and what doesn't excite you about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've been involved in, in technology since, uh, since very early in the 80s. Uh, I've, I've grown up around technology and, and been heavily involved with making things work in the computer environment. As as the as the world of technology evolved, 
over the years and the internet came into play and, and all of that connectivity came into play. Um, I've, I've followed that technology and I've followed that and I've, I've always been skeptical from my side as to where's the security in this? Where, where do you, how do you protect your information? And that goes back to the days of, of watching people with these big platters of information and these big wheels of magnetic tape in, in large computer rooms. And how do you protect that data? And, and if you remember the early Halon systems for computer rooms, that was you know, a big, big deal it, it, in order to make sure that you know all of your punch cards didn't catch on fire and burn. <laughs> but, punch cards uh, a long time ago. <laughs> It, it, it is, but, but I mean, managing that risk, you had all of your payroll data in these, these large computer rooms and companies. And, and we moved that forward into, into running um, computer networks when, when we came out with the PC, because the, the capability of connecting the, the PC and the computer power in a PC uh, exceeded the ability of the bandwidth to connect to a larger computer. And so, so the evolution came there. Well, then once again, we had uh, very early on, we had computer viruses where, where you know, somebody would take a floppy disk and put it in a computer and it would be in, infected with a virus and how to protect against that. Had hard drive failures, how to recover data because people didn't back up. And so, so data security became a day in and day out operation of being able to make sure that, that when people were working on a computer, they didn't lose their Lotus one, two, three spreadsheet Yes, and be able to manage that and maintain it. So it's just been an evolution. And now we've gone full circle, the ability to connect to large mainframes and data centers is there because of the connectivity of, of the internet and, right. and the, the amount of power that I carry in my cell phone exceeds what I had on my desktop, you know, 20 years ago. Now, how do you protect all that? How do you protect the mobile devices? How do you protect right. your desktop? Right. You know, it's, it's really, um, uh, really interesting the way things have have uh, transformed how we connect, uh, and not only uh, between companies or anything like that, but the hackers out there have really started becoming very knowledgeable and smart on how they can go ahead and interrupt our systems and, and you know attack us. Talk a little bit about what you've seen that we as small business owners should be paying attention to. Well, I, item number one is, is the, what's your biggest risk? What is the biggest risk of any business? Is it your firewall? Is it your antivirus? No, it's your people. Cyber awareness, cyber training is number one in, in my humble but 
totally correct opinion, is number one in, in what needs to be trained and what people have to do to be aware. It, it's, it's unbelievable to me the number of people that when something comes in their inbox, they just click on it without thinking. I, I am vigilant with all of my customers that say, look at it, read it. If, if somebody sends you a PDF file or a, a cute cat picture, before you click on that, do you know who it came from? If you don't, and, and we do a lot of accounting firms, if you don't know who it's from, don't open it. Even if you do know who it's from and you're not expecting it, don't open it. The smartest thing to do is pick up the phone, dial that person. Did you send me this spreadsheet? Okay, I, I'm going to, uh, would you mind if I send it to my cybersecurity guy and scan it before I open it? Yeah. And a lot of my customers send it into my team and my team loads it on a sandbox and scans it. Now my- Amazing. Yeah, my email will go and scan things automatically that comes through. And before I open it, it will either tell me that they were able to scan it or they were not able to scan it. That's great. And I hope that system you're using is perfect and infallible. Well, and that's gonna exactly it. I'm gonna warn you, we have this little thing out there called AI with this new chat GPT thing that's that everybody's all excited about. And guess what? The cyber criminals are excited about it too because their English has gotten so much better. <laughs> right, right. No, that's exactly it, you know. And plus the fact that now um, what we see is it's not a matter of whether you recognize it or not because it can be coming straight from your, your list. It yes. might be coming from somebody, you know. Now, are there ways of them getting in strictly with it hitting your inbox and you just opening the email rather than just the attachment? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And filtering uh, and the, the, the inbox filters, you know, Gmail and, and Microsoft, they do very, very well at capturing that stuff. Right. But, but every once in a while, there's a zero day which means that it's it's an attack that happens the same day as Microsoft and Google and everybody else is is trying to go through and and find these things and capture it. So so there the the zero day threats are are out there, but your probability of getting hit by a zero day when you're a small to medium business is relatively low. So usually that, that gets filtered out. But for the larger companies, the, the risk is still there. One of the things I tell all of my customers is turn off auto preview because uh, an attachment can be auto previewed. The email can be auto previewed. Because that automatically opens up any attachments, right? Yeah, it can, depending upon the settings. Interesting. Review the email automatically. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about emails right now. What other um, intrusions should small businesses, you know, I, I understand what you're saying as far as our first line of defense is our employees and teaching them what they should 
and should not. Okay, what's what's step number two? What should we be watching for? Uh, anytime you're on the internet surfing the web, I don't care if you're using uh, whatever, Edge, Google, Chrome, what, whatever Safari, whatever tool you're using, there are evil websites out there. And you don't have to be out surfing something bad. Even ads that are placed on websites can contain crap that, that can infect you. Um, and, and I'm going to talk to about one particular customer in North Carolina, mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure he'll watch this webcast. His father works for him, and his father is um, not as cautious as some people are, and not as cautious as the rest of his staff. And his father loves digging through and just looking at all kinds of, of political websites and all kinds of other sites. And he, I'm going to say once a week, he infects his computer and I get this phone call because he's pretty heavily isolated from the rest of the network for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And we've had to make sure that he doesn't walk away from one computer. And if somebody is left logged into their computer, he doesn't just sit down at their desk and continue on. So, right. so, so it's been some of an educational thing, but it it's once a week he'll he'll hit a website that'll that'll put an infection or a key logger onto a onto his his desktop. And and that key logger will just start collecting every keystroke you have and send it off to Wow, Uzbekistan. You know, yes, no, or definitely. Some other stand, yeah, and, and that's your risk. So you've got to know where you're going to. I've got another gal that that uh, I probably every quarter, um, I, she she went uh, she put in the search site uh, Dollar General to find out what the specials were in, at, at the the local Dollar General, and the search engine had been hijacked enough to not take her to the true Dollar General website. Right. And she got taken off to, a, to another website. And, and she was smart enough. As soon as she saw it, yeah, she knew she had a problem. And she immediately, she ripped the plug out of the wall and picked up the phone and called me. Wow. And said, yeah. I know what I did. I know what I did. I'm sorry. Can you help me? So. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't expect that, you know, no, none no. of us would really expect it. So, but, but um, I worked with her enough to be aware of the fact right. that we saw the stuff starting to populate on our system to immediately stop it. Right. Exactly. So when we're talking about protecting ourselves, okay, let's talk about backing up and, and cloud computing and things like that. What are some of the security aspects that we can build into our system to protect us even more. Well, well hold, hold on. Before you even go that direction, because okay. now you're talking about recovery. Because what are backups? Backups are recovery. They're disaster recovery. You've got a problem. You've got a disaster. Um, environmental. Uh, you know, your house burns down. Uh, your office burns down, you blow away in a hurricane or a tornado. I'm from the Midwest, so, you know, tornadoes were an issue. Hurricanes weren't. Mm -hmm. You never had any hurricanes in Chicago. Um, mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> yeah, but but you that that's recovery. So you've got you've got to look at and and I'm going to go. We've talked about this. I'm going to go to the NIST standard. Right. You've got to evaluate your risk. What are my risks? Well, I never go on the internet and I never search the internet. I only get email and respond to email. Okay, so your risk is only through email. Yeah, so, so, so you've got to identify your risk. You've got to identify preventive measures. Oh, I'm going to use you know, Sentinel-1 or WebRoot or, or uh, Windows Defender. And, and that's going to be my first line of defense. Okay, So risk, defense, then what do you do in the event of a disaster? Are you protected to do recovery? Do you need to recover your entire system or do you only need to recover your data? Right. So there's, there's two different layers to that. Um, I've, I've got, uh, uh, what is this? This is a, well, I've got a Dell desktop sitting here. Okay, just came in. Uh, had, uh, it, it, it went down hard uh, because of a lightning strike. We have that in Florida. And, and so we've had to recover the system. And so we recovered the system, but in doing so, it wiped all the data. Mm. So in wiping the data, how do you recover the data? Well, all the data is backed up on OneDrive or Google Drive, or, or some people back everything up on a flash drive. And, and what's the risk in recovery? I had a system a year ago that everything was backed up on, a, on an external hard drive. Well, that external hard drive died. It mm -hmm. was corrupt and damaged. Mm -hmm. Customer had to pay $2,500 to restore their data, and they only got 95% of their data back. Mm -hmm. They lost stuff that was critical to their operation, and it hurt to rebuild it. Right. It cost thousands of dollars to rebuild it. So I tell people, you've got to look at your backup. You've got to look at your risk. And you've got to look at what your level of pain is. You know, it's just like with your insurance, your car insurance. Oh, I've got a $500 deductible or I've got a $5,000 deductible. What's the level of pain you can lose? I can lose 5% of my data and I'm okay. Yeah, I can lose all of my data and I'm okay. Okay. If you're a minister and what you're trying to do is back up your old sermons, yeah, then maybe you can live with none of your data. Yes, I had that happen. <laughs> well, Sorry, Reverend know, Bob, if you're watching this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, I've had my computer go down twice um, over a 10-year period. Um, but the data was the most important part. As far as the applications and everything, those were easily replaceable. All especially when they're cloud-based. Yeah. Correct. Right. Now, but the now, data is is what's important yeah. because it's a lot of, you know. Sure. It's a lot of work that went into that. So, now, now yeah. how long does it take to recover that system? Because if you can live without your computer for a week or two while you rebuild the operating system, you get the new hard drive, you, you um, uh, go get the applications and recover the applications and, 
And oh my Lord, I don't have the licensing key. I got to pay for a new licensing key. Okay, a week, 10 days, you get that back. Now you start pulling your data off the cloud. Now, okay, can you survive for seven days? No. Can you survive for three days? No, I've got to be back to work that day. You have to be. Yep. Now there yep. are some people that can go seven to 10 days. Now, you're an accounting firm. I love picking on accounting firms. Yeah. Sorry, Patty. I love picking on accounting firms because accounting firms during tax season, yeah. if their system goes down on April 13th and they're not back up for three days, what yeah. do you think happens when they're paying late fees for all of their customers? Right, right. So my accounting firms, I work with heavily and I make sure that they're structured and set up for a four-hour recovery max. Right. In most right. cases, I can have them up and operational in limited form inside of one hour. Right. But right. worst case is a four-hour recovery time. Hmm. So we, you know, that's, that's, um, that's good to know. <laughs> That's good to know, you know, because yeah, I mean, I know me when it comes to technology, if it's not right at my fingertips, you know, I go crazy because I'm lost. I can't do anything without my technology, you know, without my data, without my technology. But let's talk a little bit about um, the cyber attacks. Uh, what is it? The viruses, the, the ransomware. Let's talk about that and how to protect ourselves from being- Back up, back up, back up, back yep. up, and back up. Yeah, yeah, you've run By into- the way, did I mention backing this. up? Huh? Yeah. Did I mention backing up? Backing and up, yes. I, I mean, the ransomware hits your system, encrypts all your data, and, and when they hit your system and encrypt all your data, they're gonna say, send this money in Bitcoin to wherever, this, this account. And even if you do, you generally only have a 40 to 50% chance of them actually releasing your data instead of just taking the money and going, ha ha. Right. And that's, right. that's the, so the, the, the government standards and the secret service standards, they said, don't pay it. Make sure you're backed up. Make sure you're in a disaster recovery mode. Right. Ransomware right. is, I've, I've had nine recoveries of ransomware with customers and every one of them I've had fully up and operational within four hours after being hit. Interesting. Yeah. And none of them have paid out to the ransomware. I will tell you the last line of defense on any disaster recovery is cyber liability insurance. Yeah. And it's not expensive uh, at all. It, it, it's getting different. Yeah. Because the cyber liability insurance um, back in the day, uh, IBM XT days and, and the, the early days of DOS, you mm -hmm. can do cyber liability insurance with data security insurance company for $69 a year. Right. And and they learned and went away because a lot of it was fraud, 
but they also didn't have any requirements in place. These cyber insurance companies now have requirements in place. These underwriters send you this questionnaire and they say, are you doing these things? I just just did the cyber uh, required insurance requirement questionnaire with a, a large central Florida operation that we went through this and, and one of the guys said, well, are you sure you're doing it this way? The underwriter came back and questioned me. And I logged into the systems and I demonstrated what our recovery process is. Mm. I, I didn't just say yes. I mean, I demonstrated it because that if, if, you, if you do not have in place what you say you do on the underwriter's questionnaire, your insurance is worthless. Right. You have to make sure that the procedures are in place that the underwriters require. Okay. So you talked earlier, and, and we've had this conversation about the requirements and guidelines, and you talked about the NIST um, uh, standards or whatever. Can you talk about what is NIST? Well, NIST is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And again, in my humble but totally correct opinion, uh, <laughs> they, they are the foundation. And, and if you look at, you know, HIPAA, health insurance uh, requirements, if you look at uh, SOC, for accounting firms, if you look at the IRS requirements, and if you look at any of the government requirements or all of the government requirements, mm -hmm. and anybody knows all the government requirements, they're uh, hanging out with the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the government requirements and the state and the federal, all of them boil down to some subset of NIST. So if you go on to NIST, 800, the cybersecurity platform, every one of these agencies, they pull parts and pieces out of NIST and say, this is what's important to what you're doing. So when I talk about the NIST core evaluation, that core evaluation is determining what your risk is and determining what you have to do in order to protect against that risk. And so if you follow the NIST standard and you look at whatever subsets are, are required for your particular industry, and then you go back through and you really look at the NIST standard and you go, you know, I've got these risks over here that are not being addressed by the SOC or the IRS or, or some government requirement. I've got these other risks I should protect against them too. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really big on is don't just do the subset that you're required to do. Go after your entire risk platform and minimize your entire risk platform. I've also said that cyber insurance and cyber security, you can be insurance poor. Right. I mean, I can, I, I can buy car insurance that has a zero deductible that protects against everything and my premium is more than replacing my car every year right so you got it you did go to my grandfather mm -hmm. does the risk outweigh the gain does okay. that 
because the risk of, of not having something covered outweigh the gain of having it covered. Well, and, and, and yeah, and as small business owners, we really should be paying attention to that because like you said, you know, even one day out of work because your data has been stolen or you've been cyber attacked or something like that, you know, maybe the difference between, you know, uh, you know, two months recovery time or, you know, six months retire recovery time because of the fact that, you know, uh, by not protecting ourselves um, and then not having the funds to do what needs to be done, it just takes a long time for us to, you know, um, as small business owners, to be able to rebuild where we work. All right. Absolutely. So, so there's levels when it comes to NIST, when we're, when we're talking about protection, there are levels that we're going to be looking at. Um, as far as our business. And like you said, it's it's the risk evaluation. You know, what is that risk? If 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 we're only opening ourselves up for risk to email, which more than likely is never going to be the case because you know, who who all does not search and get answers before they go and act on something? You know, yeah. And in the next complexity of this, from COVID, work yes. from home. Yeah, and and I I had customers that that sent their employees home and said, oh, just have them log into their computer at work. From what the same computer at home that the right. nine year old plays whatever Fortnite game on, right, and they're. 14-year-old is doing web searches for their high school project. Right. And a whole nother level. Yep, and that's exactly it. You know, here in my house, we've got one that has to worry about the HIPAA requirements. And then another one is in DOD. And both of those have to be hardwired and not through the router, you know, or the, through the um, Wi-Fi or anything right. like that. You know, right. so there is a lot of um, security that even in your home computer, in your home system, you should be taking advantage of, you know, such oh, as firewalls and things like that. Yes. And one of the simplest thing to do is just to set up a separate login for mom or dad to use on the home computer for the work access. Yeah. So that the, the, the other family members do not have the ability to click on and get to the work access period. Right, right, exactly. So there's ways to segment it. But. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit um, as we come up on the end of our program. Let's talk a little bit about the government side of things because you and I both know we're working together and we're moving more and more into government procurement. And a lot of these government agencies have their own levels of security that need to be in place, okay? You've worked at NASA, you've worked at you know several different organizations. What should we, as small business owners, be looking at if we plan on going after these government procurement programs? Most of them are pretty easy for, for simple procurement. 
protect your data, complex passwords, antivirus installed. Most of them are pretty pretty easy and pretty clean and, and, and are, are a simple basis. And, and doing a core assessment for, for the standard gives you those, those answers <clears throat> really quick. The, the biggest thing I have issues with when I'm working with a customer that's going after government procurement is digging through what government agency requirement maps back to which NIST standard. Okay. And if government agencies would just be Fort White and honest and say, this is this is where we pulled it from, that'd be great. Right. But everybody wants to create their own little uh, silo of why we're great and and build this this you know complex piece that that really doesn't have to be that complex. But if you if you boil it all down, I've never found a requirement that doesn't map back to some NIST standard. Okay. Okay. Well great. No, that's that's nice to know because like I said, moving forward, this is something that uh, over the next probably 18 months we're going to be seeing more and more of of um, is is the government procurement side and making sure that they are compliant with what is required with whatever they're going after. Well, and as a small business, if mm -hmm. you're not going after government procurement, you're being foolish. Yes. Because there's there's the government uh, used to send everything out. And well, if you remember the Commerce Business Daily with all their GSA stuff in it, that I used to have to read every day. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, it, they, they're not playing that game anymore. They realize there's small businesses out there that I have value to add and value to bring to, to the government agencies and the government is willing to help the small business so they're not just feeding the monopolies. Right. So and there's a lot of opportunity there. There is, and especially with the recession coming looming over us the end of this year, the beginning of next year, you know, um, the the who's spending the money is the government. And if you can get in with the government on some of these jobs, you know, that's what you want to do. But as you said, you know, them actively seeking out small businesses and having programs set up, such as the 8A set aside. Right. Um, and then what I'm heavily involved in is the no bid yeah. um, contracting program which is specifically set up for small businesses so they don't have to compete. Yep. And, it, and, it's, and most of those requirements are really pretty easy unless you're dealing yeah. with extremely sensitive data. Yeah. Unless you're dealing with DOD or something like that, you know. And, and even then, most of it's fairly easy yeah. uh, to comply uh, they're, they're not trying to make it hard on you. They're, they're, they're really trying to make it easy on you. It's just right. that, like I say, every every compliance officer wants to write their own document and put their name on it instead of just saying conform to these eight or ten NIST pieces, sub pieces of the of the eight hundred standard, and you're good. Right, right. Well, you know, we're coming up on the end of another podcast here with Charged Up Studio. We've been talking with Ken Johnson with USIT Systems and. Uh, we've been talking about cybersecurity and how to protect us as small business owners. Uh, Ken, do you have any last minute tips or anything you want to leave our audience with? 
If you don't know who it came from, call them. Don't click. I've been caught in that. I've been caught in that. So call them, call them, call them. Did you really send me this? Yes, yes. And please don't don't send those baby pictures to my work email. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So, and then also, um, just for your information, Ken and I are pulling together a cybersecurity uh, training program that uh, right now we are planning on having done uh, within the first quarter of this year. So that'll be uh, a big help for a lot of small businesses because that will go up on marketatomy.academy as far as that's concerned. Uh, Ken, how can people get a hold of you should they want to hire you to protect their systems or just have questions for you? How can they reach you? Well, they can always call you. You know how to find me all the time. Yes. (laughs) But the website is usitsystems.com. And uh, go to the website, fill out a contact form, um, you know, send an email to us uh, through there. Uh, and, and that's the easiest way to, to get into us. So. Okay. So, and you're also on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. Okay. And um, so that is it as far as uh, Charged Up Studio is concerned. Okay. Uh, I hope that you are able to gain some insight on how to protect yourself against cyber attackers, uh, against uh, ransomware, protect your business, protect your data, et cetera. Okay. My name is Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Market Atomy LLC. Charged Up Studio is brought to you each week on Tuesday and is part of the small business ecosystem developed with you in mind, the small business owner. If you would like more information on any of the programs offered to small business owners like yourself, reach out to marketatomy.com. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. Talk to you later. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website, chargedupstudio.live, and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.